Welcome to Kaya, the college and young adult ministry of Midtown Baptist Temple, a ministry seeking to pursue a deeper faith in Jesus Christ through God's word, fellowship, and prayer. Is my mic already on? Sweet. That makes things simple. All right, yeah, so, oh. You can turn this one off. <laughs> All right, so, uh, yeah, my name is Seth, and I'm not Brandon Briscoe. Uh, this is our pastor, Brandon. And so come back next week and hear our pastor preach. But I am, uh, I'm just blessed and humbled to be bringing the word to you guys this morning. Uh, it is a, a privilege to be able to stand behind this pulpit and just bring the word to you guys. And so, yeah, uh, again, my name is Seth. I'm a Bible study leader here. Uh, I help lead worship. And uh, I, I told JJ, I really want to be like the, the guest preacher that always has his wife stand up to embarrass her. But she's, she's not there yet, so pray for her. We're not, we're not even married yet, and she's... So, yeah, pray, pray for JJ. Um, but, yeah, I love her. And uh, so, we're going to be in Haggai today. How's the PowerPoint looking? I was a little worried the text wouldn't show up, but I think it looks good. Okay, yeah, so we're going to be in Haggai 1. Kaya's kind of taken over with the minor prophets today. But, so we decided to study out Ezra and Haggai as a Bible study because what happens in the book of Ezra is that God's people, uh, the Israelites, have been in bondage to Babylon for, for 70 years because of their disobedience. Uh, they just continued to disobey, and then God's like, all right, time out. You're going to hang out in Babylon for a few years uh, until you can learn to obey. And so 70 years pass, and God moves and works through this remnant of people to bring them back to the land of Israel to rebuild. And so the book of Ezra is about them rebuilding the temple of God that was destroyed. And so we decided to take a look at, at that as a Bible study, uh, as, a, as a template or a picture of what it would look like for us to get our focus back on worship. Because in the Old Testament, the temple was the place of worship. And so what would it look like for us to, to come back and fix our hearts back on worship? And so if you guys actually want to turn to Ezra 4 real quick. We'll get some of the background of Haggai because Haggai is, is wedged uh, chronologically into the book of Ezra. And so my discipler, Montana Rex, would always say that like, if you're bored with the Bible, read Ezra and Nehemiah because it's like a spy novel. right? Like I've never read a Tom Clancy book, but he doesn't have anything on God. Because uh, this, is, this is a cliffhanger. At the end of chapter 4, verse 23, it says, Now when the copy of King Artaxerxes' letter was read before Rehum and Shimshai the scribe and their companions, they went up in haste to Jerusalem unto the Jews and made them to cease by force and power. Then ceased the work of the house of God which is at Jerusalem. So it ceased unto the second year of the reign of Darius king of Persia. And... Uh, and so you have this remnant of people, they come back to rebuild the temple, and they start building, and then the enemy is like, hey, uh, you can't do that. 
And then they're like, I guess you're right. We can't. So they just stop building. Uh, and then, yeah, you have this cliffhanger. But then chapter 5 starts, and it says, Then the prophets Haggai the prophet and Zechariah the son of Iddo prophesied unto the Jews that were in Judah and Jerusalem in the name of the God of Israel, even unto them. Then rose up Zerubbabel the son of Shealtiel and Jeshua the son of Josadak, and began to build the house of God, which is at Jerusalem. And with them were the prophets of God helping them. And so this is where Haggai is fit into our Bibles. And so I'm going to pray real quick. Heavenly Father, we just come to you. and um, Lord, I know just enough Bible to, uh, if I were to preach in my flesh, I would just mess everything and everyone up. And Lord, I so desire for your word to simply go forth in the power of your Holy Spirit. Um, God, that you would uh, convict us today of, of what it looks like to, um, to get back to the gospel. God, to get our, our hearts focused back on you and the worship of you and, uh, and the work that you've called us to. And so God, please get me out of the way and, uh, and be glorified uh, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so now if you want to turn to Haggai, we'll, we'll get into it. All right, so in, in verses 1 through 4, we see there's, there's two really small messages, and one is to specifically to the leaders, uh, and then the other is to the laborers. And so to the leaders, uh, God speaks through Haggai, says, in the second year of Darius the king, in the sixth month, in the first day of the month, came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet, unto Zerubbabel the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua the son of Josedek, the high priest, saying, Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, This people say, The time is not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. And so, key point number one, leaders, uh, listen to your flock. Uh, God is coming to you first, and he's, he's asking, do you hear what your people are saying? Do you hear what's going on in, in, the, in the people that God has asked you to invest the Bible into? He's coming to you first. And so listen. Listen to what they're saying. Watch what they're doing. What, what do their lives look like? And then he, he moves on. Uh, in, starting in verse 3, he speaks to the laborers. It says, Then came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet, saying, Is it time for you, O ye, to dwell in your sealed houses, and this house lie waste? And so laborers, uh, Christian, like God is coming to you, and he's, he's asking you, what time is it? Um, is it time to stay home? Is it, is it time for the work to stop? Is, is the work done? And uh, I think that's a, an especially relevant question in this season where uh, there's a pandemic going on. There are literally riots in the streets. And it can be so easy to say, I guess we can't work. But uh, Paul says in Romans 13, 11, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep 
For now is our salvation nearer than we believed. And so laborers, consider your ways. That's key point number two. Consider your ways. Are you, are you saying to yourself, it's, it's time to stay home? And I want to take a second to say, if, if you are immunocompromised, or if someone you, you love is immunocompromised, uh, and you're convicted to stay home, stay home. Like, it's time to stay home for now. But if God has convicted you to come back to church, if you're watching today and, and the Lord has laid it on your heart to come back and you're dragging your feet, it's time to come back. It's time to put on a mask and come and gather with the saints. But again, if you, if you or someone you love needs to be safe, stay home. So consider your ways. Uh, and that brings us into to verse 5 uh, and 6. It says, Now therefore thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. And, uh, and so I'd ask you, what, what do your ways look like? Do they look like 2 Timothy 3, 5? Uh, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof? Does, does your life look like that? Are you, are you playing at being a Christian? Uh, does it look like Revelation 3, 17? Uh, because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked? Do your ways look like that? Are you, is everything great except your relationship with God? Or maybe, maybe your ways look like verse 6 of Haggai 1. Ye have sown much and bring in little. Ye eat, but ye have not enough. Ye drink, but ye are not filled with drink. Ye clothe you, but there is none warm. And he that earneth wages, earneth wages to put it into a bag with holes. Does, does your life look like that? Is, are those your ways? So I would ask you, like, okay, is school going well? Consider your ways. Are you, are you moving up in your career? Consider your ways. Uh, just entered into a, an awesome relationship? Consider your ways. And so, do your ways look like sowing much and bringing in little? Uh, eating and drinking, but, but not being filled and... Uh, being clothed but not warm and earning wages but putting them into a, a bag with holes. Uh, if that rings a bell, if you're tired or you're frustrated with ministry uh, or just life, like this message is for you today. And so, um, you know, this, this was true literally of Israel in this time. They were sowing and they weren't getting much out of it. Uh, they, were, they were eating and drinking, but it wasn't fulfilling. But what does that, what does that look like for us spiritually? And so let's, let's look at that. What is sowing spiritually? Well, Luke 8, 4, Jesus gives the parable of the sower. And he sows the word of God. And for us, that picture is evangelism. Uh, eating and drinking. We, we see, uh, you know, bread pictured as the word of God in Scripture. And, and water is the word of God. And so for us, this is our quiet time, right? We should be daily eating and drinking the word of God and, and allowing God to fill us spiritually. And then uh, clothes, uh, being clothed, this is, this is a picture of our work in the ministry. 
In Revelation 3, uh, Jesus speaks to the, the church of Sardis. He says, Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. For I have not found thy works perfect before God. Remember, therefore, how thou hast received and heard, and hold fast and repent. If, therefore, thou shalt not watch, I will come on thee as a thief, and thou shalt not know what hour I will come upon thee. Thou hast a few names, even in Sardis, which have, def- which have not defiled their garments, and they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. He that overcometh, the same shall be clothed in white raiment. And so the people that had mature works in this church, this church age says God clothes them in white. And so for us, this is, this is our work in ministry. What, is, what does that look like? Is it fulfilling? And then wages. Uh, this is a picture of discipleship. John 4.36, Jesus says, And he that reapeth receiveth wages, and gathereth fruit unto, eternal, uh, unto life eternal, that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. And Paul says to the Philippian church, in Philippians 4.1, you are, you are my, my joy and my crown. And if you compare scripture with scripture, uh, man, when, when we get to the throne room uh, as believers, what, what crowns we got in life, that's a, you can study that out. Uh, we get to cast those at Jesus' feet. The wages that we earned in this life, uh, which is investing the word of God in the souls of men, those are our wages, And so I would ask you um, to consider your ways. If this is is anyone today, if if you're sowing, if you're evangelizing and you're not seeing fruit, consider your ways. Uh, If you've you've been in the Word, if you've had a a consistent quiet time, but you're not not really getting anything out of it, okay, consider your ways. Uh, If you're serving in ministry, but it's, it's cold and lifeless, consider your ways. And if you're doing discipleship, but you're not seeing growth in your disciple, consider your ways. And so, uh, okay, that's good. I can, I can consider my ways, but what, what do I consider it against? And, well, luckily, God gives us the template for that in the next verse, um, in the next two verses. So, verse 7, God says again, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the mountain and bring wood and build the house, and I will take pleasure in it, and I will be glorified. And so the the first thing I want to get down is that, okay, we have all kinds of ways that we're to consider. We're to consider our ways, but God has one way, right? John, uh, John 14, 6, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way. The truth and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And you move to the book of Acts. Uh, Saul of Tarsus is, he's looking for Christians and he says that if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. When uh, Aquila and Priscilla find Apollos in Acts 18, it says they took him unto them and expounded unto him the way of God more perfectly. And maybe you didn't catch this, but in Matthew 28, in the Great Commission, Jesus says, lo, I am with you always. There's, there's one way, okay? And uh, 
And I want to clarify, okay, God is always with you, right? He's promised he'll never leave you nor forsake you as a Christian. But don't be deceived. There's, There's one way he wants us to follow. What is it? Okay, well, that's verse 8. Go up to the mountain and bring wood and build the house, and I will take pleasure in it, and I will be glorified, saith the Lord. And so the way that Jesus Christ has called us to is like so many saints before us uh, in the Old Testament. We're, we're to go up to the mountain, right? Moses was called to Mount Carmel, or sorry, Mount Sinai. Uh, Elijah was called to Mount Carmel, uh, but, but ours would be most like Abraham. Abraham was called to go up to the mountain and worship and sacrifice his only son. And, uh, and so in November, I uh, had a, an amazing opportunity to go to Israel uh, on the LFBI trip. And we were on the Mount of Olives. And I want to say... Mountains in Israel are hills. Um, It's a lot more like being in the Ozarks than it is like being in the Rocky Mountains. So uh, we are on the Mount of Olives, and you can, in like 40 minutes, walk from the top of the Mount of Olives to the top of the Temple Mount. That's how big the mountains are. Anyway, uh, we were on the Mount of Olives, and we walked to the Temple Mount, and just outside the gates of the old city of Jerusalem on this mount, uh, there's, there's a place, it's called the Place of the Skull. Uh, in the Bible, it's called Golgotha, or Calvary. And in Hebrews 13, verse 12, uh, it says, Wherefore Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered without the gate. Let us go forth therefore unto him without the camp bearing his reproach and Hebrews 12 verse 2 says looking unto Jesus the author and finisher of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God for consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. And so key point number three, look to the cross and meditate on it. When was the last time you went up to the mountain and you took a good long look at what Jesus Christ did for you? Do you, do you remember that story? Because that's what we're called to do. On a, on a daily basis, we should be looking unto Jesus, giving his life for us. And this, this empowers us uh, to, to move, move forward in, in verse 8. And so we go up to the mountain and, and we bring wood. Okay, so we, we go up to the mountain, we, we see Jesus Christ crucified. And we see the sacrifice that he made for us, and that encourages us, that empowers us to take up our own cross. Jesus said uh, in Luke 9, 23, if any man will come after me, 
let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. And, uh, and I just want to say, if you're trying to take up your cross as a Christian, but you're not meditating on the fact that Jesus Christ took up his, life's going to suck. It's going to be terrible. Because what Hebrews says is that, it, man, Jesus, it was the joy that was set before him that he endured the cross. And if you're not, if you're not daily meditating on that, there's not gonna, you're going to forget that there's joy on the end of your cross. So key point four, take up your cross and cling to it. Take up your cross and cling to it. Okay, so we've, we've gone up to the mountain. We've, we've meditated on the cross and we've, we've decided we're, I'm going to take up my cross today. Okay, now, now we build the house. I want to I read a quote from A.W. Tozer for you guys. This is from The Pursuit of God. There must be a work of God in destruction before we are free. We must invite the cross to do its deadly work within us. Insist that the work be done in very truth, and it will be done. The cross is rough, and it is deadly, but it is effective. It does not keep its victim hanging there forever. There comes a moment when its work is finished and the suffering victim dies. After that is resurrection, glory, and power. And the pain is forgotten for joy that the veil is taken away and we have entered in actual spiritual experience the presence of the living God. And man, that happened spiritually. The day you believed in Jesus Christ, right? Like positionally, you, you're a child of God. He can't, he can't see you any other way. But this has to take place on a daily basis in prayer. You have to recognize that promise you made to follow Jesus Christ no matter what. Um, Jesus said in John 2.19, he said, uh, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. Uh, and you move on, and it says, he spake of the temple of his body. Okay, Christian, just like Christ, your body is a temple. Paul says, uh, what? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? We have to walk in the reality of that every day. The, the same way Jesus allowed his temple to be destroyed and, and resurrected, literally, right? In prayer, we need, we need to allow our affections, our lusts, our, our sinful desires to be crucified, and we need to walk in newness of life. Read, uh, flip to Romans 6 with me real quick. Starting in verse 6, it says, Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more, death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once, 
but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you. For ye are not under the law, but under grace. So, key point number five. Reckon yourself crucified and live it. Reckon yourself crucified and live it. Right? Spiritually, you're, you're dead to sin and you're alive unto God. Are you living that out daily? Am I living that out daily? Are we able to say with Paul in Galatians 2, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Because it's, it's only when we are living the crucified life that God is able to actually take pleasure in us. Um, as, as the temple of the Holy Ghost, right? God can take pleasure to dwell in me uh, when, when I actually get out of the way. And so, uh, me and my roommates, we have had a mice problem. I don't know if any of you have had mice. Um, but the other day, I... It was really early, and I switched. I, I got my clothes out of the laundry, or out of the dryer, and I grabbed, I grabbed my, ham, my empty hamper, and a mouse ran across my bare foot. <laughs> I did not take pleasure in my house at that moment in time. I got home from work, and I cleared the countertops off. I like, I scrubbed the countertops. We've been working, like our pantry is like spotless now. Thanks, thanks guys. Um, but I did not take pleasure in my house at that moment in time. And guys, if we are living in our flesh in carnality, the Holy Ghost is, is not at home in your heart, right? He, he's there, right? If, if you believed in Christ, He's there, but he's, he doesn't feel at home, right? He's not, he's not pleased to dwell in you. Romans 8, 8. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. You can't do it. If you're, li- if you're living life your way, God's not pleased. God is only pleased with his son. Uh, you see that in Mark 1, 11. Uh, and he's pleased when his son's work is being manifest in and through us. Colossians 1.10 says that ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. So God's pleased when we, we, we actually walk worthy of the Lord. When his work is being manifest in and through us, the world sees that. And that leads us to, to the, the last part of uh, Haggai 1.8. God says, I will be glorified. And this has to do with, with other people seeing God. The first mention of the word glorified 
is Leviticus 10.3, and it's before all the people that God's glorified. John 15.8, Jesus says, Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. And so when God actually takes pleasure to dwell in us, God's glorified through us, and other people see it, and we get to bear fruit. And so key point six God is pleased when the world doesn't see you, but Christ in you. God is pleased when the world doesn't see you, but Christ in you. And so, moving to, to Haggai 9 through 11, uh, it says, Ye looked for much, and lo, it came to little. And when ye brought it home, I did blow upon it. Why, saith the Lord of hosts? Because of mine house that is waste, and ye run every man unto his own house. Therefore the heaven over you is stayed from dew, and the earth is stayed from her fruit. And I called for a drought upon the land, and upon the mountains, and upon the corn, and upon the new wine, and upon the oil, and upon that which the ground bringeth forth, and upon men, and upon cattle, and upon all the labor of the hands. And so how does the life we're building look compared to Christ's life that's supposed to be lived through us? Right, it's, it's good that school is going great, but how many souls have you won to Christ? Man, like, it's, it's awesome you got that raise. How many disciples have you made? Right, like, okay, your, your house, your life is, is going great. How's... How's the Holy Ghost's house? How's, how's he doing in there? Is it a wreck? Is he grieved? God says, grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. And if, you, if, if you're here today and, and you're, you've believed on the name of Jesus Christ, but you're in unrepentant sin, the Holy Spirit is grieved. And it's, it's like forcing the Holy Ghost to live in an episode of Hoarders in your house. Like, if all you're doing is living for yourself, have you, have you seen Hoarders? It's disgusting. <laughs> like, and that's why people watch it. Is it. It's so gross, you can't look away. But if you're, if you're living in your flesh day after day and you're not doing the work of allowing yourself to be crucified, there is so much junk in your heart that the Holy Spirit can't move in and through you. So is it actually a home for him? Uh, I think anyone that's been through discipleship knows 2 Timothy 3.16 and 17. It's all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. That the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. That's an amazing word, furnished. right? Because the Holy Spirit has made... Our body, his home. And when we submit to the word of God, it's like the Holy Spirit's been watching HGTV and he took a trip to Home Depot and Ikea and he's ready to deck the place out. Like when we actually submit to the word of God, it's doctrine, it's reproof, it's correction, it's instruction in righteousness. The Holy Spirit furnishes his house in us and it's a home. And and the world gets to see that, right? Like, 
the whole point of the Old Testament is they had a temple that the whole world would come to see a people that belonged to God and served him. Well, God's made you a temple, and he's, he's called you to go out into the world for them to see you, to see him live through you. And so what does submitting to the word look like for you? Um, maybe it's D2. Maybe it's D1. Uh, but maybe it's LFBI. Maybe you've been dragging your feet in, in signing up and, and actually getting plugged in to learn your Bible and to submit to it. And if you don't, if you don't know what, what your path of spiritual growth looks like, go out in the lobby. We've got one. Like, you can just get on it. And so uh, this leads us to, to 12 through 15 of Haggai 1. Then Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest, with all the remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the words of Haggai the prophet as the Lord their God had sent him. And the people did fear before the Lord. Then spake Haggai the Lord's messenger in the Lord's message unto the people, saying, I am with you, saith the Lord. And the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And they came and did work in the house of the Lord of hosts, their God, in the four and twentieth day of the sixth month, in the second year of Darius the king. And so, as a believer in Christ, God will be with you no matter what. That's that's plain uh, in, in Psalm 139. You, I mean, you can ascend up into heaven, God's there. You can you make your bed in hell and God's there, right? Jesus says, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. But the power of his presence will only be experienced when we are in the center of his will that's looking unto Jesus, taking up our crosses, walking in the power of his resurrection, and doing the work that he's called us to. Okay, what's he called us to? To win souls, to make disciples, to equip leaders, and plant churches. Right, that's, that's what we're about as a church, and that's, that's what we're going to do in Jesus' name, in the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay, how, how do we do that on a daily basis? What do I do to see that happen? Okay, consider your ways. Go up to the mountain. Go to Golgotha on a daily basis. Look at what Jesus Christ did for you. Take a good, long look until you're able to say, Jesus, you gave everything for me. I'm going to give everything for you. I'm going to take up my cross. And when you do that, allow, man, allow the crucifixion to take place in your prayer life. And build the house. Allow God to be at home in your heart. And then reach the world. Go preach the gospel to your neighbor. Preach the gospel to your classmate. Preach the gospel to your coworkers. And uh, I just invite uh, David back up. David and Connor. Um, we'll end in praise. But if you're here to, uh, today and, and none of this made any sense and well, then maybe you've never gone up to the mountain. Maybe you've never gone to Golgotha yourself. Maybe you never took that trip to Calvary where, where Jesus Christ 
shed his blood to pay the sin debt that you owed him for every sin you ever committed against him. Okay, there's going to be a day where you look God in the face and he's going to say, why did you sin against me? Why did you sin against me? And if you can't answer that question today, if, if you can't ju- be justified before God, okay, God's asking that question today. Why did you sin against God? Okay, if, if you don't have an answer, like if you don't have an answer for what you're going to do about it, God, God's got something to do about it, right? He's just, he's holy. And, and sin cannot be in his presence. And so, man, there's a very real place called hell and it wasn't made for humans but when we sin, we, we tell God we want to go there, right? But God didn't want that. And so God sent his only son, a perfect, infinite sacrifice for your sins to pay that debt off that you owed an infinitely holy God. And all you have to do is believe. Take that trip to Calvary and, and say, Jesus, I, I believe you. I know I could, I could never do it. I can never be good enough. I can never do enough good works. But Jesus did the only perfect work, and I accept that over my sins. Okay, if you've never done that, I would ask that you come forward, get with one of our leaders, and take that trip to Calvary. Take that for the first time today. But if, if you're a believer, if you're a disciple of Jesus Christ, and you've, you're just frustrated, if you're tired, well, man, come down here. Go to Golgotha again. Go up to the mountain. Right? Remember what Jesus did for you and allow that to... Man, there's joy on the other end of the cross. Um, It's worth enduring. And so, I'm going to pray, but but please, if, if you don't know where you would go when you died, please, go to Calvary today in prayer. Um, Heavenly Father, I come to you and um, Lord, I cling to the old rugged cross. Um, The emblem of suffering and shame. Um, God, thank you for what you did at Calvary. You sent your only son and uh, and, and Lord, I think about when the Galatians, uh, they lost sight of the fact that Christ was crucified among them and they, they tried to start doing ministry in their flesh and Paul said they were bewitched. Um, Lord, don't let us get away with, uh, with calling ourselves a Christian but not taking up our cross daily. And Lord, I pray for all the souls in here that that don't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Um, God, I just pray in faith that you are even now working on their hearts and encouraging them and and strengthening them uh, to come forward and and receive Christ. Um, Lord, your arms are wide open for them. and I pray that they would just see that. Lord, um, thank you for your word. Help us to submit to it. Lord, we love you, and we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope that today's message encouraged you to follow Christ in his word. For more information about Kaya, 
for service times and information about our disciple-making ministry, please visit our website at caya.li.com.